This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Was there ever a time when you relied on instant ramen to survive? To survive? Um, well, certainly, like, when I was younger and um, a college student, I ate a lot of it, that's for sure. Yeah, like, the first house that I lived in, or the first apartment, I guess, whenever I, I moved out, um, me and my roommate, we we, we basically survived on these things. Um, and, it, you know, it they're not all that healthy. This might be a surprise. Um, <laughs> not a lot of nutrition involved in, in that process. Uh, but, you know, it's something that we all did, I think, or, you know, most people have done when you're broke. Uh, you go to the supermarket and it is the, the most calories you can get for the least amount of money. How about you? You ever have a period like that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I did that in college, too. Uh I, th- I think it's a matter of, of money and convenience for me. Yeah. And like I said, you do what you have to do, right? Um, I was looking into it a little bit because um, I, I travel a lot. And this is still one of the things that I always like to do whenever I go to a new country for the first time is I like to go into a supermarket or something. And I like to see the different varieties, like how they change in different places, because they're everywhere. Everyone, everyone eats these things wherever you go. So I was looking into where they came from, like when that happened. And it turns out that the, you know, obviously we're talking instant. We're talking the cheap ones that you buy at the supermarket, but there's also the really good ramen noodle that you eat at a, at a restaurant or, or wherever you go. And, um, you know, there, the, the, the evolution of the idea or the evolution of the dish is that after world war two, things were, were rough in in Japan as far as food and there was some rice shortages that made things a little bit worse. So you had from the US you had um wheat flour coming into the country. And so not a big bread culture there, so what they do they were making noodles with it. And um what's what's funny about it or well, maybe not funny, but what a funny story about it, I guess, related to what we're talking about now is that because of the way things were working, you couldn't get, you know, you were supposed to get all your food from the people, from the government, the way it was being distributed, but it was slow. So they were actually, ramen noodles were actually sort of black market. People were making them because they, because of the way things were, you couldn't, you weren't supposed to have food stalls. They were outlawed. And that's the kind of place where you would get your noodles. So it's funny to think that if Walt might have been in his situation in post-war Japan, his Breaking Bad, he might have been a uh, a noodle maker instead of uh, <laughs> meth cook. <laughs> a noodle cook. So, yeah. So I, but I think what what the to bring it back into to to where we're going here, um, we got this. You know the the. It eventually got to a point where they made the instant kind and that became something that they could export and it went all over the world and it became this this thing, this thing that everyone does whenever they 
are a little bit broke and they need to, you know, they just need to do what they have to do. And I think what's 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 interesting here is that that's the problem that Walt has here, right? Is that he knows what he has to do, but he can't do it. He can't do what he has to do. What I want, what I need, is a choice. I'm sorry. I just... I choose not to do it. Welcome to Growth Decay Transformation, a Breaking Bad Rewatch podcast. I'm Pete. And I'm Courtney. And we're joined by our producer, Talitha. And today we're also, we also have a special guest with us. Uh, we have Jim from Bald Move. You want to say hello? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're here to talk about gray matter. And this is a pretty important episode. It's one that um, I think the first time I saw it, I was a little bit, I was a little bit unsure how I felt about some of it but overall when you look back and you know you look at the whole series and think about i mean it, it's a really crucial episode and it, and when you go back and you knowing what happened you go back and see it like it, there's a lot of really really interesting stuff happening here and um it is the first episode that wasn't written by vince gilligan and it's uh only it's like there's only two in the entire series that were both written and directed by women, and um, this is one of them. The other one is episode 508, um, Gliding Overall. But yeah, it was written by Patty Lynn and directed by Trisha Brock, and uh, what a fantastic episode. Courtney, do you think you could give us a synopsis of what happened? Yeah, sure. So the episode begins with Jesse trying to get a job, only to learn that he is unqualified for the position as a salesman. He runs into his old friend Badger, who suggests that they partner up to cook meth. Walt and Skyler, um, meanwhile, are attending a birthday party for an old friend and uh, Walt's former business associate, Elliot Schwartz. Skyler tells Elliot about Walt's cancer, and in turn, Elliot offers Walt a job. When Walt turns him down, he figures out that Skylar's the one that told him. Elliot uh, outright offers to pay for his treatment, which Walt also declines. Walt Jr. tries to get an undercover officer to buy him beer and gets busted. He calls his uncle Hank to pick him up instead of his parents. And back at the house, Skylar tells Hank and Marie that Walt was the one smoking pot, not Jr. And she decides to call for a family intervention to persuade Walt to go into treatment. Uh, for cancer, not marijuana use. <laughs> uh, Walt explains to his family that he chooses not to get treatment, but the next morning he changes his mind. While sitting outside of Jesse's house, he gets a phone call from Elliot's wife and his former fling, Gretchen, who asks if, she, if the reason he won't accept their help is because of the past that they shared. Walt lies and says that his insurance came through, and the episode ends with Walt asking Jesse if he wants to cook. So, back in the saddle there. Want to so, cook? Yeah. 
At the beginning of each episode, Pete and I like to give our overall impressions of the episode that we're discussing. Um, Jim, since you're our guest, and um, I know you and Aaron covered the series on your podcast, uh, Breaking Good, back when the show was on air. I was curious what, what it was like for you rewatching this episode and have your thoughts about it changed or evolved at all since then? I think they have. Um, I, I feel like I say this about every Breaking Bad episode because they're all so good, but this might be one of my favorite episodes. Um, <laughs> it, it says so much about the characters uh, that we don't really know yet, right? We've spent four hours with these characters or so. Um, this fifth episode really tells you basically everything you need to know about Walt for the rest of the series to understand why he makes a lot of the choices he makes. Um he, he's just a very proud man. And it's the interesting thing about that is not necessarily that he's prideful. There are a lot of characters in cinema that are prideful. Um, it's how that manifests in his actions. And it's sometimes in bizarre, counterintuitive ways, self-destructive ways. And I think that's like the most important part of it is when he makes these choices, they always stem from bad places and they always lead him to worse places. And it's, sad to see that and and it's also sad to see jesse in this episode being finally applying himself at something and it being just totally the wrong thing to apply yourself to <laughs> i i was really surprised how much i found myself relating to walt in this situation um you know this is like you said this is a it's one of those it's the it's the decision you know he makes the decision that you can't take back it's sort of the the turning point in a lot of ways um and you you know he he's he doesn't get there until the very end you know and and he, you can see him going back and forth internally throughout and it works so well because knowing what the right thing to do is and actually doing it are such different things you know like i it, i just i don't know like i didn't expect to I expected to look at this and say hey okay that's that's the confirmation that you need to know that that Walt has always been kind of, you know, Heisenberg, I guess. And um, it's a lot more complex than I remembered um, from from watching it in, in the past. And I and I really love the moments when we see him alone while he's working through that. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to getting into those a little bit more as we go on. What, what about you, Courtney? Yeah, so um, Jim, you made a really great point that I, I hope we'll get it to talk about a little bit more um, later in the, in the podcast, um, the point about how we see Jesse apply himself. So uh, one of the, just briefly, one of the things that, that stood out to me in this episode is how it begins with Jesse trying to do things like legit and above board, like he's trying to get a real job. And, um, you know, it's it's difficult for him. There are all these like challenges in his way. Uh, and meanwhile, Walt is on his silver platter handed this opportunity, right, to to get money for his treatment. He turns that down. Yeah, both those characters end up at this at a meeting point at the end where they decide that they're going to cook. Um, together. Uh, and I had mentioned previously that I was hooked from the pilot. I was one of those that was grabbed immediately. But I think it was this episode that made me really fall in love with the series. Um, because for me, it was it was when I really realized that what we were watching wasn't just some crime drama about like a high school 
teacher slinging meth and a bunch of like, you know, uh, explosive action scenes and shoot 'em ups and things like that. But it's it's a episode that that promises the series is going to to grapple with with some serious questions like about life, about family, um, about good and evil choice and and uh, the consequences of, of the choices that we make. So one of the things that stood out to me watching it again this time was how Skylar says she needs to understand Walt's thought process, and I think this episode gives us a lot of insight into his thought process, but we don't get exact answers either. Um, I think it's there's a lot of gray, right? There's there's a lot of um, gray area in this, and and uh, something that that Pete and I were were chatting a little bit about. Um, I, I also went back into this thinking, like, oh, this is the moment where, like, you know, it's all pride, and uh, where he he decides to really truly break bad and and go forward. Uh, with this meth making business, um, but I actually my my thoughts have have shifted a little bit, and, and we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but yeah, the the grayness of this episode makes the the title really suit suitable for for several reasons. Yeah, I think one of the things too that that stood out to me on on this uh, this particular watch was you know we've been talking a lot about point of view, and I was thinking about the way we see Gretchen and Elliot, um, they're kind of, we, we, we see them how Walt sees them for the most part throughout the series, really. Um, they're bad guys, right? They, 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 you know, they, they got rich off of his ideas and, um, you know, the, the whole story, but it's a little bit, it, it might not be that cut and dry, right? Yeah, agreed. I completely agreed. So, um, one of the, the the really significant moments I think comes towards the end when he is sitting outside of Jesse's house, and uh, he gets that phone call from Gretchen, and you know she's she makes the point of saying like we think of this money as yours. It's uh, even half the company's name is yours, and please you have to accept this money. And if you watch that that scene really closely, you can see on Walt's face that he's considering it, right? Like he's mm-hmm. he is considering doing it until she says is this about us and that seems to be where there is that that shift right and that's where he decides to to lie and say no the insurance came through and he he doesn't accept it so uh it it is to your point pete i think really worth considering how our thoughts about a lot of these secondary supporting characters um have been so heavily influenced by Walt's point of view throughout. And I think going back and rewatching it again, really closely as we are, you start to really see that this is, you know, he's wrong. You know, he had, he had opportunities, um, you know, to, to, to make different choices and he chooses not to instead. Yeah. You're listening to growth decay transformation and we'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's get cooking. We're back with more growth decay transformation. Yeah. What were your overall impressions of, of Gretchen and Elliot, uh, Jim? Like, you know, throughout the series, like at the end. It, it has definitely changed. Um, the more I get to know, as the series goes on, the more I got to know uh, Gretchen and Walt's relationship in wh- whatever manner we do, because it's not, it's not like we get all the details. Uh, no, but you yeah, get a feeling... Yeah, you get a feeling that something happened. Walt felt somehow less than. His pride got in the way somewhere back in the history of gray matter. And he made a decision. You know, I think it's ironic. Um, or it's he's deluding himself when he says, like, he's never made choices in his life because he yeah. has made a lot of choices. They've just been ones that he that were driven by bad impulses. Um, and, and so he feels like he got railroaded when he didn't, but this is, that's the feeling I got on that is that something happened with Gretchen, her family, something in the past, and he made a choice and he's been regretting it ever since. And, and Elliot and Gretchen are just trying to help here. I I don't see any ill will from them, any condescension, uh, any of the things that I might have seen tinges of the first time around. I don't see it anymore. I mean, it is kind of ridiculous that he opens his presence in front of everyone. And I thought Skylar was putting on the money by saying, <laughs> what is he, eight years old? <laughs> uh-huh. But beyond that, yeah, not really the terrible people that um, that Walt sees them as and, 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 in a, and in a way presents us presents them to us as right. Like, you know, I mean, of course, they're billionaires. That's not something that. Uh, you know, I look about, you know, look upon like favorably, um, you know, it's, it's like it's whatever. But like as far as you know, the way they interact, I mean, if you look at the if you look at the way things break in this episode, most of it is just it's just a little bit unfortunate. If 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 like if the if if things had just happened a little bit differently he would obviously have gone and worked at gray matter. I mean, he felt like you could see him, you could see him like, you know, he, he has, he has some problems. I mean, I thought they set this up really well. Okay. So whenever he, he comes out at first, you, first you see him, he's got this, this jacket on and, and Skylar's wearing this, what she calls prom dress. Um, they, they definitely stand out like a sore th- thumb. And um, then he goes to talk to the guys and you know, he says, yeah, this is the white from, from gray matter. And, um, he explains the story and they're like, Oh, so you run, you run the company with, with Elliot. And of course he doesn't, he, he decided to, he, he tries to say it in a way that, that gets him off the hook. He says, you know, I, I, I wanted to, to went into, um, education. And then of course the first question is what university. So, He's getting, you know, he feels, in, you know, he feels, uh, in, you know, insecure about where he ended up, and um, and resentful. I mean, I, I don't want to overlook that. He's he's definitely resentful at at their success. 
So whenever he goes to sit down, those are all the things that are going through his head. And he is, you know, he's thinking about it. He's thinking about taking this job and getting back into it and having a different life. And um, then he finds out that, that Skylar already told him about the cancer and he, he, you know, he, he thinks about, wait, why, what, why is he really asking me this? That he doesn't really, you know, he's not, he's not responding to the fact that I'm a good, a good, uh, employee, a good potential employee. He's, he's responding to the fact that he's got money and I'm just a charity case to him now. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's a significant point to make about why he turns down the, the offer on both times, right? So why does he turn down the offer when Elliot first you know says, hey, why don't you come work for us? And then later when he's speaking to Gretchen, what is it that actually makes him decide to say no? And it, I mean, it seems somewhat reductive to just say it comes down to, to pride, but the idea of accepting charity is so uh, abhorrent to him. And that's something we see later on. Like, remember when Saul sets up like the, the zombie to donate money to Junior's webpage or whatever. And even just like the idea of his family thinking that they're accepting charity, even though it's really his money, is just something that just like irks him, you know, <laughs> just really gets under his skin. So he wants credit. Right. And I think that's something really important worth noting, like this, this, um, this lack of recognition for what he probably believes to be his genius. Right. Um, and so we, we see the, the plaque for the proton, uh, you know, research that he did in his, his room and uh, the baby's room, right. Um, that won the Nobel prize. And another, I think, I didn't catch it the first time, but I caught it this this time rewatching it when he's in the the library in Elliot's library at the house when he wanders in That's there. That's what I was just thinking about. Yeah, he stops and he's looking at uh, he's got a couple of different things framed on the wall. And one is um, Elliot on the cover of uh, was it Scientific American? And then I didn't catch this uh, the first time. And when he goes to get treatment and they're sitting in the doctor's office and he's waiting to be called. So, you know, what he's reading. What magazine he's reading as he's waiting? Scientific American. I'm going to guess Scientific American. Yeah. Yeah. So that was um, obviously very intentional on the, the filmmaker's part. But uh, yeah, I think it's it's also wanting credit for something. And I think that's part of the motivation to go into cooking meth because it's something he can't be great at. Right. It's something it's it's something he is good at is chemistry. And although it's not like the thing most people would want to be associated with, there is a point of pride in creating the most pure um, product, I guess that you, that you can. So he really seems to be driven not just by pride, but also by this need for recognition. This this ego. Can I throw one it, other thing on the the pile here that I think absolutely. is motivating him? Um, there there are a lot of scenes in this episode where you see, especially that last one where he's talking with Gretchen on the phone. Um, but even at the party, when Gretchen comes up, that his whole demeanor changes. Right? He's he's hugging Elliot. He's having a great time he feels comfortable and then Gretchen comes up and you can see his demeanor totally change into like sh shamed, right? He, he pulls back into himself and gets all nervous and awkward. Um, I think he's a lot, a lot of the time driven by shame um, about his past and his relationship with Gretchen and how that all went down. Uh, and, and he, I think he's avoiding feeling that shame at the end of the episode when he's he turns down the money uh that, that's certainly part of it because like you said that's interesting yeah un until gretchen mentions like hey is it about us i i think there's still a question of whether or not he'll take this money 
Uh, but when she says that, you know he's not going to. Yeah, yeah we were just talking about this before we we jumped on, and and this is something we had been we had brought up a couple of times in in our in our you know off screen conversations, and um, yeah, I think that you can make a very because because if you think about how it's set up. You have, he, he's, he's at Jesse's house. Like, it looks like he's going over there to ask him anyways, but perhaps he, he hasn't made his decision, right? He, cause he makes the call before he goes inside. And, and I think if you watch the facial acting there, you see that moment, you see that moment whenever he hears her say that and, and there's a switch and it's not like he has this, like, you know, really, um, recognizable kind of reaction but it's just that something has changed you know it's one of those things it's like it seems like since we've been doing this podcast every every episode we got to talk about how amazing brian cranston is and how maybe this is one of the best episodes of the entire series things but i mean this is up there i think that that the way that he he shows that and um yeah, I think you're 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 right on the money there. I think that there was there if there was a time where he he was um where he wanted to do he wanted to do the right thing, the thing that would make the most sense, um it, it went out the window right there. Yeah, um just a couple of points. So Jim, what you were saying that the the um the effect of shame is I also think a really big driving factor um, for him. So, and we see him humiliated a couple of times. So I think it was you, Pete, you already mentioned about how like uh, the, the whole, like, well, what university, you know, are you working at? And the sort of embarrassment there, the embarrassment of having Elliot open a package of like 99 cent noodles after being gifted Eric Clapton's signed guitar. <laughs> um, and, but especially with, uh, with Gretchen, I think that is a really, really important point. And in my notes here, I had, uh, I had written that Gretchen is the, the path not taken. So we know from uh, episode um, further in the series that um, they have uh, different views on why their relationship ended. So something went wrong when they were at her family's house and he abandoned her. At least that's her point of view. Um, and he says something to the effect of like, you know, spoiled rich girl. So um, and then that's something that that Vince Gilligan later confirmed um, in 2016. Yeah, I, I, think that, should, I think we should share that for sure, just to make sure, because I'm not I don't know that everyone has has read that. It's not in the show itself. So I, I think it's an important piece of information. Yeah, so he um, he revealed that the real reason why Walter broke up with Gretchen is because he felt inferior to her and the, her wealthy family. So it was, um, you know, in Vince's, uh, I guess, opinion, his ego and his pride that that led to that dissolution of the of the relationship. And um, something about the ramen noodles, though, is uh, that's what uh, both. Walt and Elliot were surviving on. So you get the idea that Elliot didn't come from money necessarily either. And so Elliot, you know, is kind of this nebbish guy, you know, he's, you know, he's got the, he got the girl, he got the company, he got everything. He's living the life that Walt probably should have had, or at least again, this is like Walt's point of view. This is what, mm -hmm. what was possible. Um, and she represents the life, you know, the, the, you know, Robert Frost, The Road Not Taken, right? I thought it was a, a nice touch, too, uh, just to, to backtrack a little bit. I, I thought the, the the comparison of the library, um, you brought it up a little bit ago, compared to his uh, his little makeshift um, 
office in their in their house that that's now uh being turned into Holly's room. Um just thinking about that scene of him on his his stair climber and the pilot and then looking at what what Elliot's got going on. There's a pretty big pretty big disparity in uh the way they're living. So Jim, do you think he would have taken the money if Gretchen hadn't asked, is this about us? Uh I'm not certain. I'm not certain. It seemed like he was headed to Jesse's house. So he clearly intended to go try and cook again. But if Elliot calls in this moment and makes one more plea, maybe. But I I think, yeah, the shame of of Gretchen calling and trying to talk him into it is a bridge too far for him. Maybe. I don't know. It's tough. It's a tough call. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the fence. Yeah. It is tough and and there's no way to to really know and that's again that's part of like the the gray area of gray matter right like um all these opportunities all these these paths not taken. I think he was definitely going forward to to ask Jesse and um you can see the surprise when he sees it's it's clearly he has the phone number saved as Elliot and he answers like hey Elliot you know and then you know there's a, a definite definite change in the demeanor when it's when it's Gretchen and um she, I, I already mentioned this but it does seem really sincere like when she's like you know you have to take this this belongs to you and it's um this ingratiating moment but then uh, I think it's the shame that stops him you know, so it's just easier for him to say, oh, I don't need your money. I don't need your charity because it turns out that the insurance, you know, um, came through anyway. So I don't know. It's, it's hard. to. I think if Elliot had called, he probably would have accepted. But again, who can really say? Yeah, it is. It is hard to do it. I mean, there's a lot of there's several things here. Uh, it's really what the whole episode revolves around. Um if we think back, okay, to the talking pillow, I was wondering what you guys thought about, did he go in? I mean, obviously he got blindsided by that, but do you think at that point in time, did he, because to me, whenever he's talking about like, I want to have a choice. And I mean, to me, he seems like he's working through that in real time. And, and that's all really just about the fact that he doesn't want to accept the money. Um, for all the reasons that you're talking about, you know, you were just talking about. So do you think at that time that he, there's any sincerity in him wanting to have a choice and wanting to live out his life without the, you know, without the sickness and everything else that goes along with treatment? Or is that just him working through the situation that he found himself in? I just wanted to throw in there that, you know, the family's there. That's, that's what makes it really difficult to understand how he reacts. Because, I mean, you got Walt Jr. right there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And Walt's not very comfortable being put on the spot. I don't know many people who are, right? That's an uncomfortable position to to be put in. And um it happens uh several times in, in this episode where like he's confronted with things he doesn't want to be confronted with and um an intervention I can't imagine is fun for anyone. But as far as like wanting to have a choice uh, when it comes to to this, I I do think there's sincerity there. And I actually think that at this point, Walt is resigned to dying. I think like really like he's he's committed to the idea that this is going to happen and he's just sort of accepted it. Um, Whether or not he really wants to die, I think is a different question. But he has at least at this point uh, decided that he's just going to, you know, lay down. 
I think. And um, I think when we, we talk about choice and like what motivates him, one of the, the things that I was grappling with is like, why does he change his mind? But um, I want to I want to hear your thoughts, Jim, on on that particular yeah. scene, the, the talking pillow scene before we get into to that other question. You're going to throw it to me and I'm going to point right back to your guys second episode where, Courtney, you were talking about the coin flip with uh, No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. and how Anton Sugar is flipping this coin to decide whether or not this old man dies. And he says it's the coin flip that decides. But really, it was him all along who was deciding. And that applies so much to Walter in these scenes. Um, he pretends, he acts, and and probably feels as somebody who like... Yeah, he probably believes it, I think. Yes, he absolutely believes that he has had no choice in his life, that he has been railroaded and he's just been kind of going with the flow. And here he is, and his life is almost over, and he wants to make one genuine choice. What he doesn't That's see the worst, is that... The worst possible choice at the worst possible time, too. <laughs> right, and and such a <laughs> such a selfish, selfish one, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's rough. Um... And yeah, so he decides this is where I'm putting my foot down. But what he doesn't see is that he has made choices. He is constantly making choices that put him in these situations. My biggest question coming out of this episode, why isn't Walter White a university professor? He made a choice. He's a a Nobel Prize winner, right? I mean. Yeah, that's uh, I've talked to both of you guys privately about this this is my this is the biggest question that that keeps me up at night when it comes to the breaking bad is how did he become a high school teacher because that's an important you know like that i don't really see how you get to that without making the choice like he he made a choice maybe it was temporary in the moment and he thought well this is just something i'll do for a little while and he stayed in it but yeah that or he made choices that disqualified him from being yeah a professor we we don't know you know yeah, um, you know, maybe it got back to some of the people in uh, education that he wasn't a great guy to work with, um, and all those choices are coming back to haunt him. And and here it just feels disingenuous. Um, even though he might believe it himself in the moment, I think it's it's just he's not acknowledging that he has made choices, um, and then he's like trying to plant his flag on this one choice, which is so selfish. And I really don't. I really don't come down on his side after his speech. I, I look at everything he's saying. I look at what he's doing. I think I understand why you feel this way, but think about your family. Think about how they feel about it. Yeah, I certainly didn't feel supportive of him, but I felt I could, felt like I could relate to the situation in the way that it, the way that the, not necessarily like the details, but the way that the the show crafted it. You know, the way the show put things in a straight line of like, you know, if I, if I go through it back and back through in my head of like what happened last and what, you know, what, how he's reacting to each thing, it's relatable because, you know, he's, there, there's no good, like he can't, there's no good choices at all, you know? So, so the rational choice, the, the, the compassionate choice is to do what's best for your family. But um, there's a couple of little twists and turns in there that, yeah. that is making that hard for him, right? <laughs> well, and also like so, like the idea of like you know doing the treatment for his family um, because it's like the, the the right thing to do for the family is, uh, of course, the, the great irony of that is he agrees to get the treatment and then um, 
you know, much to the chagrin of his family. He ends up destroying his family as a result of of surviving, which um, brings me to what I thought were the, the most important questions that the episode raised for me. So rewatching it again, I, I was really uh, considering the, the idea of like, why does he change his mind? Right. So he says pretty, um, you know, makes the, the, the statement, I choose not to, I'm not going to do this. And these are my reasons why. But then the next morning we see him wake up and he has changed his mind. So why does he, why does he change? I would love to hear both of your thoughts on this. I have my own ideas, but yeah, I'll, I'll either of you want to, want to, throw in yeah I'll, I'll i'll jump in and take a guess i feel like him making the choice not to have this treatment then turns the choice of doing it into an actual choice because because before it's what's expected of him right and now he's told mm. his family i'm not doing that thing and that is my choice and they've accepted that i think um at least in the moment and now he comes back to them and says well now i choose to do it so it kind of turns it into a choice he can kind of take ownership of it instead of it just being another thing that he feels railroaded into? That's that's actually a, a pretty interesting take. Um, I hadn't considered that. I, 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 I love that scene where he, he wakes up and he, and he smells her pillow and the way it's lit, like, you know, it, it looks like morning. The books are there. You see that the, the cancer one's on top. Um, like I, I don't know. I just I it I thought it was really effective in the way that they show that because, you know, it's like when you wake up in the morning and and you're you're just sort of orienting yourself in the world and you're trying to figure out like okay what's what's happening here what's what's what am I doing today where am I at, and you know he he centers himself in all those things that are his wife's you know he, he smells her hair he smells the cream, and it's 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 like it's perfect in. You don't know, like, I, I think, like, it kind of goes back to what we were saying before about, you know, his his whole thing is that he's doing this for his family. Like, that's, he, he weaponizes that later, right? Where he's, um, he, he's just, he's just trying to put some money away for his family after he's gone. And um, I think here you actually see the 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 human part of him where you know it, it to me it reads that he really does love his wife and his family and mm -hmm. even though he was was stubborn when he was confronted in that in that in that um situation with the intervention that stuff is there you know when he's by himself and um like i said he'll he'll weaponize that later that 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 justification for doing all kinds of terrible things that he's doing it for his family. But I think here it's just like, you know, he's a human being that's got a choice. There's not really a, a good one. And he just decides to do what I said a couple of minutes ago and do the right thing. And um, I like the idea of, you know, he, he does it for his family in a way, but he, I, I like the idea of what you said is that now that he's taking control by saying no, now he can actually, um, act like he's he's exercising the choice himself i mean you make good yeah. points i i might be giving him too little credit because at the beginning of the series he does start off as a human right i, I mean by the end we're going <laughs> to we don't really know that's what we're trying to figure yeah out. yeah and you know i i look at his actions and i want to judge them all based on who he becomes over the course of this and i think there's a strong case to be made that he has always been that guy just buried under uh, a repressed, angry, defeated man. Um, yeah. 
But there are also yeah. moments of humanity in him. So it's probably more along the lines of, yes, I value my family and my wife. Yeah. And, you know, Jim, I when I went back into watching this series, I've seen it a couple of times, but it's been a while and I haven't watched it all the way through since Better Call Saul ended. So I kind of shared your opinion, like he was always this monster and um, all of his decisions are selfish and self-centered and nefarious and blah, 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 blah. But rewatching this one in particular kind of changed my ideas a little bit. And so, um, Pete, you stole a little bit of my thunder because you, you already mentioned a lot of the things I was going to going to bring up. But for me, when that that scene in the morning when he wakes up and he smells her pillow and he smells her face cream or whatever, and then he looks over at the stack of books. Yes, there's that treat like eating to fight cancer or whatever it is mm -hmm. on top of a stack of baby books. Right. So it's like yeah, four or pregnant. five books. She's about to have a child. Yeah. Now. So four or five uh, books about the baby, like, you know, babies, parenting, et cetera, et cetera. But like she has his on top, right? Like the concern for Skylar, the priority right now is is Walt. And I think that really uh, resonates with him. And I think this desire to really want to provide for them and leave something for them is what drives him. And I think it's important to remember a couple of things, right, when it comes to the finances, so he made like $4,000 from what Jesse was able to sell, plus whatever he got from Crazy 8 and Emilio. Um, but he's now down $5,000 for the the consult Consultation, with, with yeah. the doctor. Yeah. So that was just, just to get in the door to see this doctor was $5,000. So for me, when I'm, I'm trying to think about why is he doing the treatment, is he just getting the treatment to appease Skylar or is he trying to get treatment to be able to live long enough to make money to provide for them? So in that case, it also might explain a little bit why he doesn't accept the money from Gretchen and Elliot, because if he did, yes, he would have money for treatment. But as I said earlier, I think he's actually really resigned to the idea of dying. But if he can live long enough to be able to make something to to leave for them, that might be a motivating factor for him. So um, if he's going to agree to get treatment, then he's raised with the question of how do I pay for it? And I think um, that that uh, re recasts like our understanding of like maybe why he refuses um, the money from them. But as uh, as we've been talking, right, I think all those other things, shame, pride, ego are definitely parts of it, right? Like these, this isn't like mutually exclusive, like it's either or. Again, it's very gray, right? I think there's a lot of these different these different factors to to consider in the choices that he makes. Yeah, I actually like that that talking pillow scene quite a bit because of Walter Jr. and what he says. And I mean, A, it's emotionally affecting. I mean, having your child tell you these harsh truths um, has got to be rough. The other thing is there is a lot of truth, I think, to it. And maybe not from the perspective that Walter Jr. knows where he sees a man who doesn't want to uh, try and survive through chemotherapy, which is going to be hard for all the reasons that Walt describes. But he's also a man who kind of doesn't want to live with the rest of his life being what this life has been up to this point. He's like, if I survive this thing, what do I have to look forward to, right? Um, and so, like you were saying, the morning when he wakes up and he remembers, oh, right, I actually, this is not just me. I have a family. I have kids on the, I have a kid on the way. I have a kid currently. Um, they need me. That's what I have to look forward to. But man, that scene, it's kind of heartbreaking. And, and they both do such a good job. I mean, everybody in the scene is amazing, but. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to, first of all, what you're saying about the money, um, we should definitely get into that a little bit more because that's something that isn't initially apparent whenever you think about 
what's happening with this person right now. But um, the other thing is that idea of resign to die. Um, you mentioned this and I think it was the last episode we recorded Courtney and I, and I had like an, I, I had an internal pushback against that because I don't think I said anything, but, uh, we just didn't get into it. I think was how it played out, but it was the, 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 the problem I had wasn't that I didn't think you were right about it. It's just that the, the survival instinct that we have, right? Like that, that part of it is, um, it's hard to imagine. I mean, it's not hard to imagine that, you know, that people get to the point where they want to die. Obviously that happens. I mean, people commit suicide and, and everything else, but, um, this character, you know, thinking about him being resigned to die, like I, I had to, I had to just take a minute and think about it. And, um, so yeah, you have that part, you have the, the part where, um, it's a, it's everybody is, is, you know, geared towards survival at all costs. But I think, you know, with Walt, he has this empirical way of, of, of weighing things, right? He, it, and this sort of ties into how he makes decisions and it informs us a little bit. Like he, he sees things like a scientist. Um, that's what we're led to believe. Was, do you think that's correct? Yeah. Yeah. The first thing yeah, he says like the... is you've seen mm -hmm. the statistics, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, you know, when you think about the idea of being resigned to die... If you're looking at it through that way, if you're looking at it through through just you know, uh, not not the human the human body ceasing to exist, the soul, whatever else that 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 you incorporate in that understanding of what that is, but just the the idea of like, is this something that's going to happen or not happen, or you know, yeah, I do think he is kind of resigned to that, isn't he? He he doesn't see a a, a viable way to to change that the, the the statistics like you just brought up jim like that doesn't that's not something that he can count on so this treatment is in 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 that estimation it is kind of you know not necessary yeah and i i think this is something that they explore later in the series too so um when he when he's like pretty sure he's dying it just turns out that he's got like radiation pneumonitis or whatever it's called when he's coughing up the blood and he's like convinced like he's he's gonna drop dead like within days maybe a week or something and he goes to the doctor that's like after they get stuck in the, remember the scene where they get stuck in the desert um and they have to build the mm -hmm. battery but when he gets back into town and he goes to see his doctor and um they do that scan and uh they tell him that like, you know, there are signs of remission actually. And that the coughing, the blood was just this other thing. What does he do? He goes into the bathroom and he punches the paper towel dispenser, which yeah. is such a, a, an intense scene. Right. And like the way I read that, and I, I could be reading it wrong or there could be, you know, uh, other interpretations of it, but disappointment um, as part of it. I think there's it's a complication like a survival yeah. at that point, if you've already decided is, is a complication to your plans. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like because he knows he's going to die, he's got nothing left to lose. And maybe that's how he also rationalizes a lot of the really terrible things that he does. I mean, at this point, as, as of right now, season one, episode five, he's already got like, you know, 
he's already killed two people. And um, so he, he has that weighing on him, although it doesn't seem to really be weighing on him like the same way that it's like weighing on Jesse, right? But that is still something that he carries with him and something we've been talking about um, on this podcast is how he's able to compartmentalize. And I think that also speaks to his sort of scientific uh, reasoning that you were speaking about, Pete, like the way he's able to rationalize things. Um, or try to rationalize things and compartmentalize things and look at things as objectively and rationally as as possible. It tries to take the emotion out of it. So, yeah, I think the certainly the way I, I understand this this um, talking pillow scene is that he is convinced he is going to die. He doesn't really see any any hope for living. And one of the more heartbreaking moments is when Skylar says, "What about your son? What about your daughter? Don't you want to see your daughter grow up?" And then you know, there's that moment where you, he's got the tears welling in his eyes and he's like, of course I do. Of course I do. Um, but this isn't but realistic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's not an option. Let's not let emotions rule us. That's something he says to her um, in the previous episode when she's trying to convince him to, to get the treatment. Um, and he's, well, what about the cost of it? And as speaking of the finances, I, one thing I forgot to mention. So um, we talked about like what little money he was able to make so far and then the money that it has cost to go see the doctor. But also don't forget that we know he took all his life savings out of Mesa Credit Union to pour into that yeah. RV. So he really doesn't have anything. So um, it's almost like at this point, he's going to have to do something to leave behind for them. Not saying that he makes the right choice. I'm not, this isn't in defense of, of Walter's terrible choice to, to go cook meth, but I understand the motivation. I understand why he chooses to go back to it, if that makes sense. Don't forget your pants. We'll be right back after this short break. Fire up the RV. We're back with more growth, decay, and transformation. Yeah, I I, I had never really considered that that he he wanted to turn them down because uh, it it wasn't enough money or it wasn't like him having control over how how to to take care of that and then him going through like spending all the money they give him on a, a really expensive treatment that doesn't work. And then he dies and they still have nothing anyways. Um, that, that could be there. I mean, I, I don't know that it's ever like implied that, 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 that that's the case, but you could certainly, you, you, you make a good case for it. And it, and it, it, I could, I could see that being one of his motivations. Speaking of reasons to uh, go back to cook, have you ever ridden in a Fiero? Yes. My boss, when I worked at Jimmy John's, was a Fiero nut. He loved them. And he had a one that he'd drive in. It's pride and joy, and I rode in that one time. It's one of those cars that it was like, it was super novel for like 10 minutes, right? And then it was just sort of like, those things are goofy, kind of, you know? Uh-huh. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, and the other thing I wanted to rapid fire, did you, have you ever written in, written in one, Courtney? Mm-mm. No. Yeah, I, I don't know that I've ever been inside one. I, I've seen them. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you was, I had to actually look this up, which is maybe embarrassing, but javelinas. Did you know what that was? It's a wild pig-like creature, right? Like a boar or something? Yeah, that's what it is. But did you, do you know that? Just I mean, is it is it an animal you're familiar with? I mean, I think I saw it on like one of those like PBS nature things or something. I knew what one was, but I've never seen one in person. 
it's a, I mean, I think it's regional, right? It's from the Southwest. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, all of that is to say, um, what do you guys think about the setup for, for how, how Jesse goes back to cook? Well, I, I, I think it's, it's interesting again. So I, I already talked a little bit about like how like Walt and Jesse end up at the same point where they agree to cook, but it's like different things driving them. Like Walt is, is, um, given like a couple of opportunities, he's given two chances, right. To, to go a different way, but, um, you know, uh, refutes those and decides to go back to cooking. Um, whereas we see Jesse trying to do things legit and trying to get a real job and trying to, to get ahead. And one of, um, one of the, my favorite scenes in this is when he's cooking with Badger and they're out in the desert in the RV and the student has become the teacher. He sounds like Walter Jr. Uh, like, yeah, like Walter Jr., not Walt Jr. Flynn, but like a mini Walt, if you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so he's like parroting like what, what Walt was saying to him. And it's, so it's an, it's an interesting, um, look at Jesse being like the responsible, mature one in that outfit, in that duo, and how ridiculous Badger is. So, and, yeah, and Badger, says, wow, like, you his... really know your shit. And he says, it's yeah. just basic chemistry, yeah. but he adds the yeah. O at the end. It's just basic chemistry. Yeah. Bro. So, yeah, com- like verbatim, you know, re- uh, quoting what what Walt had to say. And um, I think one of one of the 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 great things about that scene and seeing how ridiculous Badger is is you really get to see. Uh, Jesse's potential. So, um, Jim, you, you talked about, you specifically used the, the phrase apply himself. And that's something we talked about in our, our previous episode that we recorded, because um, that's what Walt had written on the back of his test that he had mm-hmm. flunked like, an old chemistry test and it's apply yourself. And we see Jesse really at that point start to try to apply himself. And we see that that carries on into this episode as well. Like he's trying to make something of himself. And it's like, okay, maybe he can't go up through legit channels um, and, but he can do something, you know, here, like this is his, his opportunity to apply himself. And um, again, with Walt also wanting credit, you know, cred for what he does. That's also his way to his path to, I guess, uh, achieving some acclaim or success um, no matter how awful, you know, (laughs) it is that they're doing. It's a, it's a way for both of them to, to, I guess, advance, I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm. I come away with the question: Why didn't he apply himself sooner uh, to something more, let's say, mainstream, uh, more acceptable in society? Because I get the impression he was a big slacker in school, and he had Mr. White as a teacher. So, is it just he doesn't learn well in groups? Is it that he was focused elsewhere because there are a lot of distractions when you're in high school with you know, trying to see where you fit in and and learn? how to socialize with people or is it just this one-on-one time that he had with Walter where he saw someone really passionate about the thing because Walter, he is passionate in high school, but you hear how he talks about it with Elliot, right? Like trying to get these kids to learn multiplication tables or or whatever he says, uh, charts, uh, elemental charts. Is it just that he was able to sit in one-on-one with this guy who clearly had a passion for it and it kind of rubbed off on him? I think it could be. It's an interesting question, yeah. It it is an interesting question, and it's something I also was thinking about. And I think Walt sees potential in Jesse. I mean, he's horrible to Jesse. He's mean. He says terrible things to him. But he clearly Mm -hmm. sees that Jesse is capable, and that's why he keeps him around. 
Um, it's not just because like he likes the kid and grows attached to him, which I I think does happen. Um, I mean, it's yeah, it's a toxic, terrible. Yeah, it's a toxic, terrible relationship. There's a lot of gaslighting. It's abusive, right? But he does, in his oh, own yeah. weird way, care about Jesse. I really think he does. Um, what that's not a healthy relationship, though. I just want to make sure that you yeah. know I'm on the record there saying that um, can abusers really love the people they abuse? That's that's a different question. But um, yeah. something that I was thinking about uh, was in a in a later episode when. Hank is trying to find Walt after he, you know, goes missing and, you know, is on his fugue state. He goes to Jesse's mom's house and he speaks to his mother and he explains that he's missing. His brother-in-law is missing and they're trying to find him and he thinks he might be in contact with Jesse. And she remembers, Jesse's mom remembers Walt. And she's like, I remember him. He was so nice to Jesse and like always believed in his potential, right? So even though Jesse was a terrible student and kind of like a screw up, I think Walt recognized that there was potential there. And I think Jesse gets that from from Walt in in, a, in, in some sort of way, I think. You know, I, I think um, he looks up to him and it feels good to have someone believe in him, right? So when you think, of, again, in context of the series and what we've just learned about Jesse in the previous episode, he goes home to his parents' house and they, they're like, they've basically written him off. They think he's, there's this total screw up, this druggie. Um, there's some really interesting conversations with his brother and like the idea of the favorites and things like that. Um, so, you know, Jesse is this huge disappointment and um, to his family, to himself, I think. And, and this is a, a way for him to prove himself to, to Walt. And so, I, I, again, this is something we, we talked about in the previous episode. It hasn't uh, come out yet. Um, but one of the points that I made was when he finds that test um, that says apply yourself on it. That's when um, he gets the phone call from Combo asking if he has any more meth to sell. And then that's when he actually starts to apply himself. It's almost like Walt's words, apply yourself. This is ridiculous. He's like, okay, this is my avenue to do that. And he sells Some, it. Like, he makes the money. serendipity yeah. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, or Walt's just some kind of crazy Jesse whisperer, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you don't write apply yourself on the paper of a kid who you don't think has it in them, right? Exactly. So, so I true. think you're right. You, you see that Walt sees something in him. And, and I think when they get together and Walt does treat him with a little bit of respect, even though he's talking about cow houses and things like that, <laughs> um, he, he latches onto that and, and he feels like, yeah, maybe I can do something more. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, Courtney has brought this up in the past. I think that he also likes that he, that, that Jesse, sees him as an authority figure uh, you know jesse jesse can't can't threaten him you know there's a there's a there's a power differential there that's comfortable for walt too but um yeah it's not all bad i think it's it's really complicated and, and unhealthy uh the way that it all plays out but um they're not they're not just terrible for each other that's the story of this show complicated and yeah. unhealthy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one thing I would like to say, though, about I, I think I think that the the Jesse side of the the episode is a little weaker. If you you know if you had to to say just because the Walt side is so strong, um, but I I did think that one Badger one of the best first uh, introduction scenes of all time. 
for for a character. <laughs> the dollar bill. He, the guy pulls the he pulls the blind, and you see him doing the thing behind the uh, you know with the with the dollar bill suit on before you Get even know who bills, he is. Yo. Like he's never been introduced yet. You just see some random guy doing that thing you know that people do outside of uh, these uh, places or whatever. So I think that's great, and I also think whenever he's talking about. Um, when they're in the alleyway and they're, they're talking about the cooking and, um, he says, yeah, I had a partner. I was, I was mostly doing all the work, but you know, he was, a an asshole and, and just the look and the way that, um, Aaron Paul delivers that that's, that's really good. That's a high point. I think in that, that whole side of it. I think there's a real, you know, I mentioned this kind of, um, definitional for some of these characters, especially Walt and Jesse in this, uh, episode, you kind of have to take it as a pair with the previous episode with Jesse where um, he is kind of seeing that to this point he has been a screw up and he goes in for this interview and he gets turned down for something, you know, that would be, I guess, respectable uh, being a salesperson. And instead they want to put him in this ridiculous suit and have him stand outside and spin a sign and he looks at Badger doing that, and he's like, that's going to be me unless I actually do start applying myself. Yeah. Um, and and he doesn't see that as the way forward, and so he decides here to make a change. Yeah, and yeah. again, it's humiliation, right? So again, thinking of the parallels between our two main characters, it's humiliating. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, Jesse is, is really humiliated in that moment um both when the guy like opens the blinds and he's like this is what we think you're good enough for um Mm -hmm. you know and and jesse's already at this point decided that he wants more right and i think that's a really great point that that you make jim that he wants more than this and that's a fair thing to want i mean um i i I really like the 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 touch of having it like why are you doing this job badger and he says i'm because i'm on probation i have to like i don't have a choice it's the only thing i could get basically um and that's really the only reason that you would do that job like you're you're 100 percent broke or that's the only you know it's the only one you can get um those are the only two options where you're like yeah i really like these moves you know the helicopter it's i feel like i'm you know i can do something with this outside of work you know oh he does he does use it outside of work (laughs) yeah he does in the same episode Uh but um yeah i mean it's 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 funny because i mean not funny The, the funny is not the right word it's um it's poignant that how the the two situations are 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 very different but um when you look at them side by side in some ways and and I, you know this is not not a direct um you know black and white kind of thing but in some ways Walt is the one that has the choice you know um Jesse's not going to take this job and and work his way up into the sales department like there's no route for that it it doesn't exist um, it's not to say that he couldn't get some money together and then, you know, get a different job and whatever. But I mean, if you look at the two of them side by side, Walt is the one that has a choice and, and yet he sees it as he, he doesn't, which is kind of, but, hmm. 
I would argue that Jesse has a choice too. I mean, he doesn't have to go back to cooking meth. He could do something else instead. I mean, it's it's just it's opportunity knocks, right? So he happens to run into Badger at this at this juncture in his life. He's frustrated. He's feeling very humiliated, right? So I think that's an important point to consider. He's feeling pretty lousy, yeah. right? Like he was just humiliated. You're not good enough for this job. He's sitting That's what in I was saying. his I, car I was now. thinking of it yeah. more of like what's in front of them in the in in like immediately in front of them not like is it a yeah. good choice to uh I think it's to, to if you have a bad job to go start you know dealing drugs or something like that but I mean yeah. just as far as what's presented to them in this episode and how they react I mean you can you can totally see how Jesse gets to where he's going yeah, it's it's not a matter so much of a question of, of choice as much as like perhaps how they are motivated and driven by emotion, right? Mm-hmm. So like this is an emotional thing for Jesse um, and that might factor into why he decides to get out of the car and, and catch up with Badger and, you know, change his mind like, yeah, let's team up. And same thing with Walt too. So we were talking a little bit earlier about how Walt is this very pragmatic kind of guy who likes to look at things as matter-of-factly as possible, but that doesn't mean that he's, like, devoid of emotion. And I think this episode shows us just how sensitive he is to emotion, right? Like, when you think of his interaction with with Gretchen and with Elliot and how that makes him feel small and humiliated and, really importantly, emasculated. So thinking of humiliation, just to bring it back to Walt, because there was one other thing that stood out to me that I wanted to mention was when at, when they're walking out of the party and Walt's all pissed off and he has that argument with Skylar, he says something like about like um, how he offered him the job and he says some like fig leaf face saving bullshit. And mm-hmm. I thought that fig leaf was really interesting. So it's not like an olive branch, like let's make peace or like, you know, like throwing him a lifeline. He, he uses the word fig leaf. And so when you think of fig leaves and how those are used, like what comes to mind for, for either of you? What do you think of when you think of a fig leaf? Uh, paintings where they want to cover the naughty bits. Exactly, right? So it's usually used like in paintings or in sculptures to cover the genitals. So that that that's what Walt says, like it's a fig leaf, it's to help him cover his shame. And Walt mm. feels emasculated, you know, and I, I think um, not to necessarily bring this back to to like a gender thing or masculinity in particular, but he's feeling he's feeling emasculated, he's feeling weak. And that's something that I think we've seen him struggle with. Um, for the first few episodes, certainly in the pilot, they really highlight how emasculated this man is in every aspect of his life, at work, at home, by his brother-in-law, you know? So, like, it's just, like, this constant um, the, this constant message to him. So it's it's a really interesting choice of words that he says, he offered me a fig leaf. Like, here, use this to cover your humiliation and your shame. That's mm-hmm. how he saw it. And you could take that all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? In the mm-hmm. Garden of Eden, I mean, it, it's yeah, that is that is ingrained in our culture uh, here in the West, and yeah. So you mentioned those two words, and it's like, yeah, uh, that that is wrapped up in shame for sure. You brought up um, Skyler there, and 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 that's another thing that popped out a little bit more on the on this particular rewatch was uh, I I liked how you can't really tell what her intentions were at the party. Um, and I like the way that there's the 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 difference between obviously they're both embarrassed, right? Um, she 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 feels they both feel uncomfortable. Let's put it that way. Maybe not embarrassed, but they they're uncomfortable around that crowd. You know, she said, "Oh, I guess we didn't get the memo, the beige memo, or the whatever. beige memo." 
Yeah, and um, it, it's funny to to see how they 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 react differently in that situation. And and like I said, when they're walking out, um, I, I really did. I thought that that worked really well. You're not sure. Um, I like that they didn't show us how how Walt and and um, Elliot's conversation ended. You know, they they worked us through it, like through their conversation. And then by the time he says, "You know what I said," she does, and and we do too. Like we, we understand that that he said no, of course. But yeah, I I thought that you know Skyler, he's he's probably right a little bit about that about her trying to to move things in the direction of, of Elliot paying. But, um, how, how, how deliberate do you think she was about that? See, I, this is where it comes back to like, again, we have to be conscious of the fact that we are being, we are being told this story from Walt's point of view. Point of view yeah. And I think like in the, previous episode when she starts crying and then kind of he's in a position where he has to tell everyone else around the table that he has cancer you know um that's when they have hank and marie over and they're sitting outside having their little barbecue i know some people think of that as like a manipulative move and i think this is something we chatted a little bit about um pete and i did but i never saw it that way so i i think there are a couple things to to keep in mind um when it comes to skylar She's pregnant, right? So she has all these hormones, right? She's going to be emotional and she loves her family. I mean, I, I, you can say whatever you want about her, but I think it's clear that she really does deeply care about her family. She cares about her husband. She cares about her children. And how would you feel if you knew that, that your partner had cancer? So yeah. um, maybe, maybe in this case, I could, I mean, it's again, one of those things we don't really know. There's not enough information. Like, did she have an ulterior motive in telling uh, Elliot about the cancer, hoping that they would offer money, knowing that they have this money, knowing the history that Walt has with them and the company, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe she was hoping that um, what is what is Walt at, at the end of the series say their liberal guilt? Maybe she's trying to appeal to that. Maybe, um, yeah. but I, I I I kind of I I kind of do like shrink a little away a little bit from like like saying that there was that was like the 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 motivating factor because I think there's there are a couple things to consider. Well, let me let That's me reframe it like this and, and throw it out to Jim um, as a question. If you were in a situation where someone that you loved was dying and you were afraid that they were um, not 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 on board with getting treatment and you found yourself in close proximity to someone who had the ability to take care of that um, how would how would you how would you approach that? <laughs> oh, how would I approach it? Hmm. It would definitely be on my mind for sure. Right. Um, especially if it was someone who that loved one had a relationship with. Mm -hmm. Um, and I knew that there was even a potential for some kind of hail mary uh, s saving right. thing here. Um, so yeah, it, I, I would be going through that party thinking. Man, if I could just find a way to connect these dots somehow, we might be through all this. I will say, I don't think I would do it at the person's birthday party. I'd probably try and say, oh, yeah, yeah. we should, you know, get together sometime. Give me your number. Or I'll call you. And then, you know, have some have a conversation with them later about it, because I don't know if this is the place for it, but it would be on my mind. Yeah. And I, I think what you're saying is is is, is right. 
Courtney. I don't think we can say for sure. And, and that's, mm -hmm. that's sort of the the uh, that's sort of what I was saying that I liked about it was the ambiguity there. But um, yeah, I, that, that's the question I come away with after I see that, and and the fact that it's never made explicit is that what would I do if I was in that situation? I, I love this person. I don't want them to die. Um, I, but I also know them and I know they're too proud to, to ever ask for help. Mm -hmm. So it, it, I just think it's a, it's a really, it's a really great setup and it doesn't, it doesn't matter all that much whether she did or she didn't, because we see what matters. It's that, that Walt believes that she did. And, uh, you know, that colors the way that he reacts and, that kind of takes everything else off the table in a way. Can I ask you both a question about a particular moment? And and hopefully you two noticed this, but it, it really stuck out to me this time through when Elliot and Gretchen first come up and say hi at the birthday party. Um, you know, Walt's whole demeanor changes when uh, Gretchen walks up. And then when they walk away to go say hi to another couple there at the party, Skyler conspicuously looks back at them as they walk away. Like, it does almost a, a, a double take, a concerned look on her face a little bit. And I don't know if this is her saying, did, thinking, did I just miss my chance because she's had this whole thing planned the entire time? Or is this her noticing how awkward Walt got around Gretchen and being like, I wonder what that was about? Yeah. So actually, I was thinking about that when Pete, when you were just talking before. I don't know that Skylar knows about their history. I don't think she has really any sense that there was a relationship there. Right. Because it's so oh, awkward yeah. when when Gretchen first comes up. And um, I, I think that's obvious to everyone. But Skylar doesn't seem to be aware of it. And I was trying to think, mm -hmm. like, how would you feel in that that position um, where, you know, like that, that your husband had a past with this person? Um, and, the, and and this is why I was thinking of it when you were talking, Pete, because I think that further complicates it. Like if, if Skylar was angling for money, would she still have done that if she knew that, that, that their history was as convoluted and complicated as it was? Because I don't think I would certainly and probably most people mm -hmm. wouldn't in that mm -hmm. position, right? Because um, she knows True. her husband is a proud man. She knows he has like some hangups and things like that. And I think if she really understood just like what a sore spot this is for Waltz or a sensitive um, history that he has, I don't think there's any way that she would have, at least I hope she wouldn't, um, you know, <laughs> put him in that in that position. But I don't think Skylar's aware. And um, we know that later, in, again, in the series, when she knows that something is kind of going on between them, um, she first assumes that they are having some sort of of an affair. Um, but I don't I don't get the sense that she actually knew that there was was a history with them. Well, it seems like a yeah. really private guy. Like he keeps his his cards really close to his chest. I mean, of course, we see how secretive he is. Um, but I have the sense that he's been like this his whole life. Right. Like he's not really one to to share how he's feeling um, or or really talk much about anything. And uh, yeah. yeah and, right. and another just quickly, uh, another point I wanted to respond to that um, that that you you were uh, bringing up, Pete. I was thinking again of in the previous episode, in, in terms of like money, um, thinking about um, how she suggested that they ask Hank for money or his mother, and mm -hmm. he shot both of those down immediately. He's like, "I'll borrow it from my pension." So and he escalated that, I, each time, like it yeah. got it got to him even more each time she brought something like that up. Yeah, so that might. I mean, I, I think. To your question of whether um, 
was she hoping that they would offer? I think that actually adds a little bit of credence to to your your theory that she may have been. But okay, um, the question that that Jim asked was uh, about when they first approached. So, yeah, there's there's a look she gives as Ellie and Gretchen walk away back at them. I, it didn't really stand out to me. I guess is the answer. Uh, I I remember thinking that he kisses Elliot kisses her on both cheeks, and then she gets kind of. Um, on her back foot from that, she says, Oh, like I forgot that they do this or something. Hmm. And, um, I, I remember the look that she gives whenever he's sitting with, uh, sitting with Elliot and they're talking about the job. And to me, it looks like she's encouraging him, like, uh, you know, what's going on? You know, it's good to see you guys are talking. She's or something, intensely but... curious what's happening in that conversation. Yeah, I know she's <laughs> curious, but I thought it also looked like there was a little bit of encouragement there. Like, yeah, talk to, talk to Elliot, you know, but, um, I didn't pick up on the, I didn't pick up on the look whenever other than I, I thought, I guess I just sort of made the, the shortcut in my brain of like, she feels awkward because Walt's ex is here. And I didn't really, I didn't really, um, look at it too closely. I think you listen, listen to both talk about it. I think you might be right that, that she didn't know. It makes sense that she wouldn't know, but I mm-hmm. didn't pick up on it when I watched it. But the, the question though, also that, that you were raising Jim, like, could it have been about the money? And she was concerned that maybe this was a, a opportunity walking away. I think it is important to also remember what is like the last thing said before they walk away, before someone calls Elliot's attention. Um, and it's really awkward, but but Walt says to them, congratulations on securing that that patent. You know, that was great work. So again, that's speaking to finances, right? Like that's mm-hmm. going to, of course, come with with um, a pretty sizable payout, I'm assuming. And it's it's an awkward exchange. And then they, you know, walk away. So yeah, that, that may I have been the maybe- moment. That that Skylar was like, oh my gosh, yeah, I should ask them. Maybe that's why she looks back. She's maybe oh, she didn't go she there comes thinking. Up with the idea. Yeah, maybe that's where the idea occurs to her. That's yet another possibility. Yeah, that that also huh. makes sense. Like I, I just talked myself into thinking that maybe she was disappointed because they got interrupted. Uh, but then whenever you said that, <laughs> that maybe that's when she got the idea, that would make sense too. Mm-hmm. It's it's really not clear. It's all gray. <laughs> it's, it's all a gray matter. Can I say how much I love the gift of the ramen because of how much it looks like brains? Like just <laughs> these noodly things swimming around in a bowl. It's, it's the Can perfect I say that I never matter. made that, that, com- that really? connection Really? Okay. I'm glad that you brought it up because now I'll, I'll always think of that. Yeah, brain food. Mm-hmm. At least it's not gray, though. Can you imagine if the noodles were gray? Oh. Gray is never appetizing. That, that's mm. that's a I think. Try that's the a, gray stuff. It's delicious. Don't believe yeah. me. Ask the dishes. Not. It's not. I don't think that's controversial at all. I think gray is is a non-appetizing color when it comes down to it. So, was there anything else that we wanted to touch on? Um, there's a lot going on with the family and everything. What else is going on besides Walt? Well, one other thing that we didn't talk about that I thought was really interesting was sort of the shift in in Hank's character. So Hank up to this point has been like the real like macho, like machismo guy. But here, like, like we see a softer side of him. Um, We see in the car when he picks up Junior, how he says not cool. And Junior's like, well, you never tried to buy beer when you were my age. And he says, no, 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 not that's that's not the part I'm I'm worried about. The part is that like you didn't call your dad. And he's Mm -hmm. like, for like the first time really being like, um, thoughtful and considerate of Walt's feelings. And then, um, again, like we see that uh, later as well, like he agrees with, um, with Walt or with Marie during the talking pillow scene. Um, 
and there, I guess we we just we we tend to see this the softer side of of Hank in this episode and like telling Skylar to go easy on Junior um, and things like that. And and I think probably the shift is because he knows Walt is sick, right? And so that's mm-hmm. we see the the empathy and concern and care there um, for him and for his family. And I I really sincerely believe Hank when he tells. Um, you know, Walt, that whatever happens, I'm I'm going to take care of your family. But of course, that that rubs Walt like really the wrong way, mm-hmm. um, because again, like uh, we know that that Junior looks up to to Hank more than than Walt, and I'm sure Walt's also aware of that fact that that Hank is the role model, um, and that the the man in his son's life who he idolizes. So I think it's an interesting shift in in Hank's character, who up to this point, like when I first watched the series, I absolutely hated. I couldn't stand him, but mm. then I was like, you know what? This guy actually isn't isn't all awful. You know, like he has a lot of really like redeeming qualities, and and I got the sense that that he very much cares about about these people. You're listening to Growth Decay Transformation, and we'll be right back. Let's get cooking. We're back with more Growth Decay Transformation. Hank just has a weird way of expressing his feelings, uh, and, and I, I blame it a lot on his culture uh, and the the work environment he has, where there is a lot of that machismo, like you said. Um, he displays his affection in... Uh, ways that a lot of people don't identify as affection. They'd identify it as, as teasing or even mean-spirited. Um, I didn't like Hank a lot uh, because he starts off being pretty racist in the things he says. He starts off yeah. being way over-the-top macho. And over the course of the series, I got to learn who this guy is. And I, I see him as a much much better guy by the end of it. And yeah, when he when he changes here, first, it's a joke, right? Like Hank having the talking pillow is ridiculous because he has no idea how to express the complex emotions he's feeling in that scene. (laughs) The the, the, like the sports analogies weren't working for you. (laughs) No, they weren't. Uh, The way he grabs like the little cheese cube kills me every time. Like how he takes the he's so uncomfortable. He's like, what? There's a bunch of cheese cubes here. What? You're not supposed to pick them up. They wouldn't put them out. They didn't want me to eat them. What's the plate for then? Yeah. Yeah. And I think Walt, like in that moment, is also kind of dismissive. Like Walt understands the sports analogies. You don't yeah. have to be a Harry Carey to understand what he's saying here. Yeah, and he's I think like, he rejects it. He rejects no. that they're 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 poorly crafted. Not that he doesn't understand. I think you're right. Right, right. Um, but it's Hank trying to get his emotions out in a way that he might communicate with his guy friends at work, um, mm-hmm. and try and display affection there. And it's just so it does not fit in this scenario. And then I feel like he's given an out by Marie where he can say what he really thinks because like everybody is take the money and run, man, get out of there with it. Uh, but it's hilarious. They they didn't go along with Skylar the first, the first time. Um, that was, Oh, I remembered Marie didn't, I forgot Hank. It jumps in there too. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe Walt wants to die like a man. And again, that, that really stood out to me too. And, I, I, we start to see Walt, uh, you know, we've we talked a little bit about this already, but starting to um, really, I, for for want of a better word, become more more machismo himself, right? Like he's he's starting to assume mm-hmm. more of this like hyper masculine role, and um, yeah, so that that line I, I, that probably also cut him, and so did um, 
Junior calling him a pussy, right? So. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I thought that was a, a very, uh, you know, that was a very deliberate choice to have him him say it that way, for sure. Yeah, and in front of everyone, too. Yeah. So to, you know. It's more of that emasculating thing you were talking yeah. about, Courtney. Even mm-hmm. his own son but, is doing it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, interestingly, Hank ends up siding with Walt. Like, he, he really feels bad for him in that moment. And he's, you know, supportive of him in, in a way that, that not everyone else in the room is. I mean, of course, he's agreeing with his wife as well, but... Um, it is, it is, I love that scene so much. I, that's probably my favorite scene in the entire episode, uh, just because of, of how real it is and the family dynamics and how emotional it is. They, they all play it so well. You know, Skylar, she's, she's a lot of people are, don't really usually relate to her position, but I, I found her position of, of yelling at Marie, very relatable also. It's like, yeah. you know what we came here for, geez, you're just gonna, you're yeah. just gonna go. If you weren't going to help, don't say anything. That's all. Just be quiet, you know? Super relatable. And that's why uh, Hank's able to open up more when he realizes, oh, I don't have to pretend like I think the right decision is to go ahead and do this chemo because of all those, yeah, macho reasons. Die like a man. That's such a ridiculous line. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, just to be clear, dying always sucks, but there's better ways when you're a man, you know? (laughs) Apparently. I don't know. So I guess like to to kind of bring it all back around. I mean, the if we're talking if we're talking about this refusal on the grounds of charity, uh, I, I mean I I don't think it really holds up, right? Um, that's what he tells himself that, that that that's the way it is, but that's really not even the tip of the iceberg. Really, is that safe to say? I think it's complicated. I think yeah. there are a lot of different things that, that go into why he makes the choices he makes. And I don't think like we we can definitively say like it's because of this, it's because of X, Y, or Z. Yeah, I think there's a lot not, of different it, it it's part of it's part of the fact that it's uh it's probably part of the fact that Gretchen and what she said and that she's involved in their past, um you know that 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 insecurity he felt around her family, and it's un, it's unresolved as far as we know. I mean, I know that that's what the motivation was that that Vince gave to um, Jessica Hecht. Yeah, um, that's what he told she's her. She's married to um, she's married to Adam Bernstein, right? Yeah, I learned that yeah. from that same article. That was that was uh, I didn't have any idea, but uh, who is that? Adam he, Bernstein. He directed episodes two oh. and three. Nice. And a lot of actually, like, I think eight total. Um, hmm. So he had to kiss Brian Cranston, or she had to kiss Brian Cranston you know, <laughs> uh, with her husband nearby or something like that. But yeah, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of Gretchen. It's a little bit of uh, wanting to have more money to leave behind. And it's a little bit of pride and um, wanting to have a choice. So, Jim. This is your first time here, and we did this a little bit in the uh, the other episode we did together. But you know, Courtney and I, we always end the episode by going through our favorite line and our favorite shot. We just pick one out, and then hopefully we don't pick the same one. Um, and we we just talk about that a little bit. So, did you have a favorite line from this episode? Helicopter, bitch. <laughs> that's a good one that's a good one um, 
how about a shot? How about what, did you have a shot that stood out to you here? Uh, ooh, yeah, I should have I should have remembered this part, huh? We can circle back to yeah, you we can some more time to think to about it. Do you want to just do that? Great. Like we'll each yeah, we'll each say our favorite line and then we'll go back through and do a favorite shot. Yeah, we could do it that way. That's fine. Okay. Um I'll go next, I, I guess, for the line and mine was it's complicated. Um he yeah. says it right in whenever he says it in the middle of the conversation with Elliot and he when he doesn't want to tell him he has cancer, he doesn't want to just come right out with it. I think he's actually holding back because that's not, not he didn't really have that uh, in mind whenever, you know, he, he sat down to talk to him was like, I'm going to tell him about my problem or whatever. You know, that doesn't really seem consistent with his personality. And yeah, so it, it also it also serves as the, you know, what the whole episode is, the theme of the episode. All these all these situations are complicated. Um how to move forward is complicated. Why people do what they do, also complicated. Uh, what about you, Courtney? What was your favorite line? I have the talking pillow now. No, that's not my favorite line. I just wanted to to, to say it. I have the. T- <laughs> it's my turn. I have the talking pillow. Yeah. So my my I love that line. But my favorite line is probably um, from that same scene, from the talking pillow scene, when Walt is walking them through his thought process of why he doesn't want to get the treatment. And he says, some dead man, some artificially alive, just marking time. No, and that's how you would all remember me. And um, he's citing that as like, you know, one of one of his main reasons for not wanting to do this. And I I think it's so poignant um, because of how they do end up remembering him. Right. Like, of course, at this point in time, they don't know what he's up to. But as uh, as the series goes on and we see what he does become, um, what would have been worse to remember him being like this, like sick cancer patient, um, you know, uh, or the the man he became, right? Um, what What is actually worse for his family? Arguably the latter, right? You wanted to say, say monster so. there, didn't you? Didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. I think we can agree again, with that. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've used that word pretty liberally um, in talking about, about Walt, but again, it's complicated, right? Like I don't, I don't see him either or like, it's not like, you know, good or bad, good or evil. Um, he's, he's a very complicated person he's human um he does a lot of really monstrous things though really yeah. terribly monstrous things it's sad in retrospect like looking at it is. you know this choice and and seeing he could have gone out you know maybe sick maybe frail maybe less than in his own eyes but at least he wouldn't have become perhaps a monster to his family yeah yeah and that's probably a good segue i guess i could start with favorite shop because what you're, you're just talking about there jim I think is one of the reasons why I chose my favorite shot of this episode. And that was um, when he comes up behind Skylar in the morning after the talking pillow scene and he hugs her and he says that he'll do it. And it's almost, I mean, there might be other moments um, between now and the end of the series, but it's like the last like real um, intimate, sweet moment that they share where you really get the sense of, these are two people that love each other and want what's best for each other. And it's heartbreaking to rewatch it again when, when knowing what's coming after, you know, and just how like he's going to absolutely destroy this woman and destroy his family and how it all falls apart. And that's for me, like the, the biggest tragedy of the series is watching all of that unravel. I mean, of course, all the deaths are horrible, too. You know, it's not like 
this is like the worst thing that happens. I mean, killing people objectively is like the worst thing he does, but it is um it is really painful to to see this family fall apart. Yeah, it's personal, you know, and I that's what I, I really like the way they set it up with that other scene that we, we talked about in the in the bedroom. And um it is like that, that uh, it is. It's 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 in some ways, you know, it's more tragic that um you know, they have everything right there in that moment. And, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the motivation, a lot of the stuff that, that people do in, inside of a family, uh, you know, that, that isn't, um, you know, that, that you don't want to hear like the, the un, unfortunate truth and all those different th- kinds of things. They, they usually come from a place of caring and, and wanting to, to, uh, you know, do the the thing that that would would actually work you know we kind of got into this in the last episode so we don't really need to go back into it but you know skylar she may be she maybe makes some some missteps along the way in this in this this process but like you know she's coming from a place of like she cares about her husband and she wants to try to find the best possible outcome even though they're you know they both know that there's probably no good outcome Pete, yeah. Pete, I'm going to try not to steal yours. I have a feeling I know what it is, but uh, I really like the shot where he's being prepped for whatever procedure he's having. Uh, Walter is uh, mm. in the doctor's office there. He's laying on this bed. He's being covered over in plastic sheets. He's naked. It's humiliating. You know, we've talked about how that is kind of his kryptonite, this humiliation that he feels. This is a tough process for him. Um, it's going to require some kind of sacrifice and you can see it on his face and, and it, the shot there makes you feel like you understand what an issue this is for this guy. Yeah. I think that's the radiation scene because they have the three yeah. dots on his chest, I think. The, so they're actually that's what giving I always assumed it was. And I kind of thought about that whenever I was thinking about it, but I was like, oh, I need to look into what that is if I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. But yeah, uh, I, I agree. It's a, that's a great shot. Um, it, I think those those medical shots they always look so um, they look so uncomfortable. You know, they really bring across the just how 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 unsettling that whole process is. I mean, and, it, and it's it's different. You know, I've gone to the hospital and been uncomfortable and and worried about something, but I've never gone there knowing that I was going to die from cancer. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is really just maybe prolonging things, not, not, not fixing things, you know? But yeah, mine is a little bit boring. My, my favorite shot in, in, as far as, as things go, um, I just really like the time-lapse, uh, the time-lapse in the, in the desert. Um, whenever Jesse's cooking with uh, badger. Um, it's one of those things like I, I it's, it's such a simple technique and it's weird because, you know, like you, you just change the, the time, the amount of time something happens and get a whole different perspective on, on, on like what's going on because, you know, here you see it go from uh, dusk to to dark. You know, you see the the clouds that there's really beautiful clouds that are that change colors as the sun's going down, and then you have that stark contrast of the lights inside the RV sitting across the the black, um, you know, pretty much a black frame other otherwise, and 
yeah, it's just sort of like if you're standing there and you're looking at any any second of that in real time, it's not it's not all that it's not all that um remarkable, you know, it's just just some nice clouds in the sky or whatever, but you you speed it up like that and you see that that different um that different way of of experiencing time and all of a sudden it, it's got this this uh you know, it's really really beautiful effect and uh I love when they do that in the series. I do too. And it's such a part of the visual language of the series, those time lapses. And also, um, I thought, you know, Pete, I thought for sure you were going to pick the montage in the RV when Jesse and Badger are cooking. It's again, one of those like real classic um, Breaking Bad montages. And this one was edited by Kelly Dixon, who I think originated the, that montage uh, style. Um, so I know uh, Lynn Willingham edited the first episode, but uh, Kelly got to work a little bit on on that first one. And I know she edited that first montage scene in, in the pilot. So again, mm-hmm. um, it's like one of those things I just so strongly associate with, with the series. And it adds a lot of that that much needed levity that um, you really need in, in in this series to be able to get through each episode when you you know you deal with the sort of topics and issues that they deal with. So um, yeah, I'm grateful ba- for all a, the. There's a real palate cleanser there whenever you think about how how much work. <laughs> I mean, he's he's over the top. Like he's a little bit uh, <laughs> a little bit too goofy, maybe. But it, it actually it actually works pretty well to. Um, keep you from being like completely lost in the uh in the in the white side of things yeah thank thank goodness for um jesse and and his crew of misfits and arguing about like Battlestar galactica you know whatever <laughs> they talk about um skinny pete and combo and badger and stuff so i always appreciate when those those guys have their their moments all right then i think that that's going to bring us to the end of the episode um Unless there's anything else that, that either one of you want to bring up, uh, like I just want to say really quickly, it's great to have you here, Jim. I hope you'll you'll come back again. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I'd love to. When we get into some some of the other uh, seasons, um, what do you guys think? Do you have anything else that you wanna do? You wanna touch on before we take off? No, I would just say that this episode comes back to the question that we've been pondering and that everyone's been pondering about about Breaking Bad. And that's like, was he always Heisenberg or is he a good man that turns bad? And I, again, as we've been talking about throughout this this podcast, it's um, it's not that black and white. It is very much a gray matter. And I just I would leave it there. Right. Like it's it's a it's open for interpretation. All right, then. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to follow our podcast and uh, set up notifications there so you'll know when the next one comes out. And it would be really helpful if you would rate and review us um, wherever you listen. We're brand new. We're just trying to get going here, and uh, it really helps out, and we greatly appreciate your support. Yeah, and uh, anyone who is inclined to support Growth Decay Transformation, you can do so by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash growth decay transformation. You can connect with us on Twitter at Breaking Bad GDT and uh, write to us at breakingbadgdt at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Um, if you have any questions, comments, yeah, send uh, us some feedback. feel free. Yeah, send us some feedback. Um, we'd love to. We'd love to hear from you all. And I don't know. Maybe at some point, if we get enough, uh, we could do something like um, like a mailbag bonus or something. So, yeah, we we would love to hear from you. And um, you can find our producer Talitha's Instagram at Talitha underscore makes underscore things. Jim, 
Jim, did, would you like to plug anything? You you got a little uh, podcast network over there that we're so I've of. heard. That's what they tell you me. Uh, yeah, dot com. Uh, if anybody wants to find me and my co-host Aaron, uh, we cover a lot of television shows right now. We're covering The Mandalorian, Star Trek, Picard, and we're about to start Yellow Jackets. Maybe by the time this comes yeah. out, we've already started Yellow Jackets. But... Yeah, I think that's the way it'll work out. Um, yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I recorded a Yellow Jackets episode with you guys, but it had already been been out for a while by the time this episode comes out. Yeah, so if you want to get you know more of me or I guess more of Pete as well, you can go check out the, the Yellow Jackets introductory episode there. Yeah, and uh, like I said, it's great to have you on. Um, we We would definitely love to have you back. It's great to be on your network. We're really happy for the opportunity. Um, we, if you haven't ever heard it, back we have a bonus episode number three with Jim and Aaron, and we hope that you'll join us because we'll be discussing crazy handful of nothing. So we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>